2: What is up, Bills Mafia? Wednesday night it is the live show at Ryan Talbot, Matt Perino. We are coming to you on the, of course, live edition Wednesday night of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. It's such an exciting show today. And what's funny about this show is when I had reached out to Kim Jones from NFL Network to join us, um, we talked a, a little bit about what we we're going to talk about today. And then, you know, the world went crazy and, and we have a lot more to talk about today. Uh, so we're going to welcome in her, her in in a moment. Uh, Ryan, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. You know, like you said, it's been a pretty hectic last few days. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen this Sunday. It it, it looked like things were going, trending in the right direction. And then obviously today, not so much.
2: Exactly. All right. Let's get Kim Jones from NFL Network in here right now. Kim, how are you?
0: Hello. How are you guys?
2: Good. We are wonderful. We are wonderful. Um, you know, this was such an exciting show because uh, you were actually requested, uh, <laughs> specifically, Bills fans are big Kim Jones fans. Wow, so a very... I'm a
0: big fan of the Bills, so that's good.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're so, we're so appreciative uh, to you of giving us some of your time tonight. Um, obviously, let people know a little bit about your your job to begin with here, because before we get into the nuts and bolts of things, you know, what do you do for NFL Network, and, and tell us a little bit about your your day-to-day, week-to-week, because you're kind of all over the place.
0: Well, first of all, my kitchen lighting isn't nearly as funky as it looks, but if I turn one of the lights off, it looks even dark. It looks too dark. So I don't have like strobe lighting in my kitchen. Um, (laughs) Day to day, I am on Zoom. (laughs) I am on Zoom forever. And uh, a lot of the Zoom calls are really good. I I have to say I was skeptical. Um, You don't get the interaction. You can't pull a player aside in the locker room. You can't. A coach walking off the field doesn't stop to chit-chat for a minute. Um, But I have to say that the Zoom calls, because of the way the coaches and players, in my opinion, have handled this, at least the ones I've been on, have been really fantastic. Um, You don't always get a question in. Um, It's not perfect. But I actually really enjoy them. Uh, I go back and listen to them after the fact if I miss one or if I miss part of one uh, or if I just want to make sure I, I got... Uh, the essence of what someone was saying correctly. So um, my my days are spent on Zoom a lot of the time. Today I was on the network. We talked about the bills a little bit, um, a couple different times. We talked obviously about the Titans a lot. Um, my my other colleagues handled that with uh, the COVID stuff uh, with Tennessee. Um, but you know I can work from home now, which is both a blessing and a curse. It's uh, it's easy. Um, I prefer to be out and about. I prefer to be with people. I prefer to look someone in the eye when I talk to him and not, you know, wonder across a, uh, you know, a TV connection or a monitor connection, that kind of thing. So that's just how I am. But all in all, I honestly think it's gone, including right now, almost as well as this season could have. I never thought it was going to be perfect. I never thought the NFL would escape completely when it comes to this virus. So, um, You know, and if you're wondering other things about more depth things about my job, you feel free to ask. But in terms of like day to day and right now, I think I just gave you kind of sort of where I am. I'll be at the Bills game next Thursday. I'll be there all week leading up to it Uh, this week for the second week in a row. I actually have the Washington football team uh, at home. Um, sort of a weird coincidence there. They played the Ravens last week, and now this week they have the quarterback change, plus the Rams come to town. So you're right. I'm kind of all over the place, but, but kind of in my little section of the country.
1: You know, you said you like to be out and about. So when you're out and yeah. about in Buffalo, yeah. do, you have, do you have any favorite go-to spots?
0: <laughs> you know what I love? I don't know. And I don't know how any of you all feel about this. Jack Astor's at the Galleria is my absolute go-to spot for either the Power Bowl or um, the salad I got last time I was there. it I love that place. I think it's really good. And we don't have a Jack Astor's, so I go there.
2: It is a um, C- Canadian chain yes. that came over the border a couple of years ago. What's funny about that, I'm sure a lot of people will say, oh, that's so touristy. My wife absolutely loved Jack, Jack Astor's. Going back to our college days, we go there all the time. So that's a that's a great choice.
0: Yeah, the food's good. Oh, and the Harbor Center, I, I love. Uh, when I can stay there, I, I always stay there and eat in that restaurant a lot of the times.
2: Yeah, d- downtown is definitely being uh, revitalized yes. quite a bit. Well, this is the Shout Bills podcast brought to you by Topps Friendly Markets. But we have a lot to talk about. So let's dive into this thing today. Obviously, the story... In Buffalo today, and, and really in the NFL uh, today, like you mentioned, has been what's going on down in Tennessee. A yeah. uh, bit of an outbreak over the course of the last week. Uh, cases, positive cases, day after day last week. Hoping for a bit of a respite, and we saw yeah. that yesterday. Uh, no, ne- uh, all negative tests yesterday, but then two came back today. Right. Um, you know, we knew this was going to happen, Kim. But it, you know, in terms of what you're hearing, what you're seeing, is this kind of how we thought it was going to all play out when it did.
0: I, this one, from from what it sounds like, this one was preventable. It, it sounds like there was a gathering. It sounds like there were players who said, essentially, and, and I'm I'm I don't think I'm reaching here when I say this. It sounds like the players who couldn't go to their facility said, "Well, we'll go here and work out together," and that's not the spirit of what is expected once a facility closes, you know, if they're going to let you gather, they're going to keep the facility open to do it. So Mm -hmm. it seems to me like there were uh, opportunities here for player peer pressure to stop this. That's again, it's from a distance and I'm not, I haven't done any reporting on this, but in listening to the various reports, and I'm sure that both of you, Ryan and, and Matt have heard the same thing. Um, that's the shame of this to me. It could have been prevented. You were never going to prevent, in my opinion, the, the, the one guy who, you know, gets COVID. The, the one player, the one coach, the one staff staffer who, you know, can then be sent out of the building uh, until he or she is healthy again. I, I think that was what we expected. I'm not sure we expected the group of players together leading to a COVID situation that we're in now where I do think it's fair to wonder about that game on Sunday. I, you know, I, I don't know how you wouldn't wonder about the Bills game on Sunday against the Titans.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the, the big thing that, you know, we're sitting here now doing is kind of going through all of the different potential options in our head. I mean, you go back to last week, obviously right. postpone uh, yep. for the Steelers game. And now you look at it for a second straight week. Do you postpone it? Do you just straight up cancel it? Do the Titans have to forfeit? Obviously some reports later on in the afternoon today that that really hasn't been discussed yet, uh, according to Judy Batista uh, over at NFL.com. But, you know, I think, you know, with all of the potential eyebrow raising, um, you know, behaviors of the Titans players. And listen, Roger Saffold came up today. I just put up a story, uh, offensive lineman for the Titans and said, hey, this is our livelihood, man. I'll stand with my teammates. We're trying to get after it. I respect that. And I kind of understand that. And even Stefan Diggs said today, listen, man, we empathize with these guys, what they're going through. I mean, we're all football players. We're all trying to do the best that we can, but I think this is just kind of an example that, you know, maybe the entire league has to take a look at players, coaches, everybody, even the ones that think they're doing it as, as, as well as can be Mm -hmm. done and, and really just reevaluate.
0: Well, and the shame of, of that is, and, and, you know, I think the players hearts are in the right place. I understand their concerns for their livelihoods and everything else. But if we would ever get to a point where the season shuts down, those game checks stop, they don't get paid anymore. So I understand the idea, you know, we want to be in shape. We want to be ready to play. We want to, you know, make sure that we can be on the field and healthy and get our paycheck and everything else. I understand that. But the longer game here is completing a season and getting your full pay. And I don't know if, if um, you know, and I understand once in a while we can't see the forest through the trees. I, I've done it many times in my life. I understand it. But if those players are in any way getting bad information about that, you would want that to be corrected because you'd much rather have a situation where maybe you're backed up with another You know, postpone game or what have you, but the season is continuing for everyone in the league and they're still getting their game checks. I mean, there's no, there's not even a, there's not even a scale there for me to say, well, there's this, there's that. I mean, there's only one side you can be on there if you want to get paid in the NFL and that's have the season continue and play the games.
1: Yeah. So now it's the facility can't open until Saturday. They need back to back days of no positive tests And, and there's really no wiggle room this week. They've already had their bye week. The Bills play on Thursday night football against the Chiefs, as you mentioned. So what are some of the options here?
0: I honestly think that's a great question. I think, in a way, the Bills being on Thursday night is unlucky in this case, just in terms of scheduling, because you could go perhaps Monday, maybe even Tuesday, and then you're backed up against it with a Tuesday and then a Sunday game. But the Thursday game makes all of that you know, – it's got to make all of that impossible. You, you can't be playing two games in four days. I mean that you just can't do that. I can't imagine. Um, you know, even with even with uh playing the usual Thursday night game. It just it just doesn't work. You know, it just isn't gonna work that way, I don't think. So uh yeah, they're back up against it. I you know and I understand the Steelers aren't thrilled with the way it played out for them. And that's what you're gonna see now. You know, you're gonna see some teams where uh who are at a disadvantage out of completely being unlucky. And and the Steelers are in that spot. And conceivably we could be talking about the Bills in that spot, depending on what happens uh with this game.
2: What are your what are your thoughts on, you know, obviously the the league putting its protocols and from from the things that I've read today, they're very confident in, in those those protocols when they're followed. But what do you think about, you know, if, if we continue to see situations like this, maybe doing a, a hard pause or maybe putting in some 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 bi-weeks for the entire league a few times over the course of the season just to mitigate against this right
0: yeah and I don't know that it would um I think if it would maybe you'd think about it a hard pause to me you know are we sure it's going to be better in a few weeks like take the NFL part of it out of it are we sure that in a few weeks we're going to be in a better spot we're going to be in the same spot is it going to be different than that so I, to me, to me, there are so many unknowables. Now, I'm sure there are medical people and, uh, you know, disease people out there who feel like they have a better handle on this, although I wish they could really get a handle on it. But, uh, you know, I'm not the person for that. But it, it seems to me that from what we've seen from the NFL, as long as it can go on, it will. And I think most of us would agree they made the right decision with free agency. I was at Mount Laurel, New Jersey, with Judy Batista, who you mentioned, Sean O'Hara, Will Selva, we did, right up until things really closed, we did free agency from NFL Films. Uh, that went on as scheduled. The draft, a lot of people said, oh, you, you, know, you can't have the draft. The draft went on, and in my opinion, was the best draft we've ever seen from the NFL folks. So um, training camps didn't open exactly on time, but they didn't miss it by a considerable amount. And yes, they were very, very different camps, and I understand that. But I think we've seen from the NFL, if the show can go on, it will.
2: You know, I think one of the, you know, interesting, well, before we talk about this, let's talk a little bit about what came out uh, of the Bills today. Uh, now, were you on a couple of, of the calls today? I was on a little bit of
0: Josh. I'm going to have to listen to that one back. I was on Sean, I think the whole, the whole call. Um, I think yesterday I was on with Dayball, Dayball uh, and Fraser and Sean, I think, or was that Monday? That might've been Monday. Monday. Yeah, right, so this right. this week I've been on a selection of them, but not not everyone. I missed Diggs today, which I will go back and listen to, obviously.
2: You you quoted, you tweeted out a quote, uh, something that you were appreciative of, of what Sean McDermott said today. Can you yes. tell a little bit about that?
0: Can you remind me? I don't have my, yes. oh,
2: yeah, we're, remind me. We're aware of the situation in Tennessee and are monitoring, monitoring it. We take it seriously. There's yeah. a human side to this. Yeah. I'm sure everyone is healthy Thank will you. always be number one priority.
0: Thank you. I think the idea that, uh, you know, it is not in most football coaches DNA to talk about the human side, right? I mean, it, it just isn't. They, they, in a way they can't afford to, they can't afford to get wrapped up. I've cried on the air. I mean, an NFL coach talking about an injury or, or talking about some, uh, not just a loss, but some like awful development isn't going to stand at a podium and cry, right? Like almost certainly not. So, it, you know, I, the idea that he would bring the human side into it and say convincingly that the bill's number one goal is good health and that that is their absolute priority. I think, first of all, it probably needs to be said. And I think it resonates when someone like Sean McDermott says it. So that's why I particularly appreciate it. Listen, you can read between the lines if you watch and listen to Sean. This situation stinks. Right. They they truly, you know, they're preparing to play and that's what they have to do. I think they and I'm not this is not reporting. This is me surmising. I don't think they truly know if they're going to play Sunday. I'm not sure any of us know if they're going to play that game Sunday. That's a rough spot for football coaches who like to have every minute of their day, you know, on a little, uh, you know, dry erase board that they can go down and and get everything um, out of. So, you know, I just appreciated the human touch from Sean in that spot.
1: Yeah, so, you know, we've already seen one game moved. We've already seen a possible uh, game with the Bills. We don't know what's going to, going to happen yet. So, what do you think has been the biggest disappointment to date so far with this season?
0: The biggest disappointment for the season? Um, well, to be honest, you know, and this is a little bit selfish. I think I'm having an earphone problem here. Just hold on one sec.
1: I think it might be the snowball. Oh, okay. I can hear you. You You can hear me, me okay? All right.
0: Um, I mean, to be honest with you, it's the idea that the Jets and Giants can't get out of their own way. I mean, I live, you you know, twenty minutes from MetLife Stadium. I mean, listen, very selfishly, um, you know, those are easy trips for me. They're not trips for me. They're they're down the street. You know, they're they're thirty miles to my west. So. When the Jets and Giants keep me at home, it does make my life easier. I, I, you know, and I know that sounds selfish, but you know, I'm I live in this area for a reason, and those teams unfortunately don't usually keep me home for very long. Now, I, on the other hand, I, I'm delighted to cover other teams. I, I enjoy covering the Bills a great deal. Um, I got a kick out of seeing uh, Lamar Jackson. I've seen him before in person, but seeing Lamar Jackson already this season, I got to see Aaron Donald at Bill's stadium. I, I don't think I've ever seen Aaron Donald in person uh, because I've never covered Rams games, obviously. So, um, and I guess I'll get to see him again on Sunday against the Washington football team. So, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's more convenient. If the jets and giants keep me home, it doesn't usually happen. So I adjust and I'm delighted to cover the teams I do cover.
1: So sticking with the jets real quick, you know, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, both from the same draft yeah we've seen what the bills have done with josh allen build up the offensive line add wide receivers add a lot of young talent but also veteran talent around him the jets not so much now joe douglas has you know he came in late into this process he he built he tried to get in a lot of offensive linemen he brought in brashad perriman but it, it's not the same so you know how can that affect the development of a young quarterback like we're maybe seeing with Sam Darnold right now?
0: Oh, incredibly. I mean, what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done in Buffalo should be like the course that's given out for how to build a, around a young quarterback. I remember asking um, Brandon last year. like So like last spring when we were actually still out and about and in, in buildings and everything. Like, is everything you're doing about making Josh better? And he said, yeah. And that was going into last season. And then he doubled down when he went out and got Stephon Diggs this year. So I think that it's been incredible. When I talked to Les Snead before the Rams game against the Bills, Les Snead, the, uh, the GM of the Rams, said to me, like, you've got to build around a young quarterback. And they've done that with Jared Goff. And the teams that do that might have some hiccups. You might make a mistake here and there. You might not roll sevens like, like you did with Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley. But – you're giving your quarterback a better chance. And I just think that's so important. And the teams that don't do that yeah, that's,
1: that's the big thing. fail.
0: The teams that don't do that fail. And, and sometimes their quarterback fails, and sometimes their quarterback has to go elsewhere. I don't know what's going to happen with Sam. I don't know what's going to happen with Daniel Jones. But both of those teams are going to have to build around them much better than they have. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Both of them right now, both teams, the Jets and the Giants, are technically in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Yeah. So uh, let's pretend you're the GM of either, either New York team. Do you give up on these young quarterback prospects to go after a Trevor Lawrence that we've seen this, we've seen it in Arizona, Yep. Where they went with Tyler yes. Murray over Josh Rosen. And now that's another one. I should have yes.
0: mentioned them. Yep. They build around him.
1: Yep. But Josh Rosen now, he's been floating around. Now he was on a practice squad. So it just yep. kind of shows you how quickly things can change in this league. Right. So if you are a GM of either New York team, what do you do if you end up with that first overall pick? Do you build around or do you say, hey, here's a shiny new quarterback that we think could be even better than what we have?
0: Well, here's what I would say to you. If the Jets or the Giants have the number one pick in the draft, I have to assume that neither Darnold nor Daniel Jones has played very well. Let's be honest. I, I don't think you're going to see Daniel Jones rip off, you know, three straight 300-yard uh, passing games without a turnover, and the Giants are going to lose every one of those games. I don't think you're going to see Sam Darnold, uh, when he's healthy again, create with his legs like he should have done all along, improvise a little bit, And get his weapons back and be able to go downfield and have that kind of um, experience for, you know, a string of like three out of five games. And the Jets are going to lose every game. So I have to assume if the Jets or Giants are sitting there at number one overall, that neither Sam, that either Sam or Daniel or perhaps both hasn't played better. Unless Trevor Lawrence shows us some warts that he has not shown so far in the college game. I don't know how either team possibly has a decision to make. And I think they have to draft Lawrence if all of what I just said comes true. No, I, which I, you, I hope it doesn't. Sam's easy to root for, and Daniel just got here. So I, I really would like to see, for their sake, those teams and those quarterbacks make it work. But but for the scenario you're painting for me, if if it's gonna be that dire. I don't see how either GM has a choice.
1: And, and I love the point that you made too about if they play that well, I don't see them necessarily losing those games. And, right, and so it, they're
0: not going to have the number one pick. No. They might pick. They might pick third. Sure. You know. Uh, you know, they, they might be top five both of them, but I don't see them picking one. And I, you're going to have to pick one, I think, to get Lawrence.
1: Right, and, and we saw that in Buffalo, Josh Allen's rookie yeah. year. You know, he he had his his warts, he had yeah. his problems and issues, yeah. but he also carried that team. Uh, or did enough to help that team win a few mm-hmm. games where there wasn't a lot of weapons around him. And yeah, the defense played a big role in that, but no, you, you raised a great point there. So that's definitely something though to watch here as the season goes on.
2: We come in here for a second. Are you getting static? No, no. now it's good. You sound good. <laughs> Back in a big way. I'm so excited. All right, we- We have a lot to talk about still uh, before I let you go. Before we do that, let us just play a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Ready for football? Tops is with ready to serve fan favorites. Everyone will cheer for delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops.
2: All right, so uh, I love what you, your conversation you guys were just having. I couldn't really participate in it, but it was it was great. So good job on your part. But let's <laughs> let's shift a little bit to the Bills going into the season because we're sitting here now at four 0 an MVP candidate in Josh Allen. Oh my goodness! Like I mean, if you rewind the clock back to you know the end of that Houston playoff game last year and some of the backlash that came his way uh, for the way that that second half went. You know, I think predicting where we'd be at right now was tough to do for a lot of people. I think people that were a little bit closer to it, you know, I think of you, I think of uh, some other folks that have kind of come through town and and spent some time talking to not only Josh, but the people around Josh and what Mm -hmm. they were doing probably aren't as surprised. But was this about where you thought things would be going into the season? Or is this even better than I think even the wildest imagination could have thought up?
0: I will say this. When I was at Buffalo training camp, um, sadly, not uh, St. John Fisher, because I really like going there. I believe it was August 22nd and 23rd. I'd have to check my calendar, which is right over there, but I'm not going to get up and do that. Um, I was stunned at how good the Bills looked, and I expected them to be good. I... Remember, we, we talked over practice, which is one of my favorite things that we get to do during training camp. Like, I'm literally talking as the camera, the cameraman is shooting whatever I'm talking about. Or in some cases, he'll go rogue and get something else interesting and then come back to what I'm talking about. I was stunned at the chemistry early on with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. And I'm still bound and determined to get to the bottom of it. I, I know that um, Josh in particular has given a couple of answers but I truly, you know, was and am amazed. And, you know, some of those cross ar- crossing routes that you see Diggs run, like a 75 of them, it seems like, on game days. It is amazing to me how he is. Josh has a feel for his speed, for the way he's going to, you know, the angle he's going to take. And I, I know it's their job. But I also have seen enough of this stuff to know it can't be as easy as they're making it look. That day, I also was struck by, uh, well, Trey White and, and Diggs. That was a fun matchup to watch if you just like football. I mean, so I, I, you know, I enjoyed those, and I can understand why some of the Bills players will say now, and Sean McDermott, I believe, will say now, you know, we practice, you know, so that we can play the way we do on Sundays, and you can see that with the Bills. I also that day discovered Gabriel Davis, and that, and I like being right, I try not to be obnoxious about it, but I really strongly prefer being right <laughs> to being wrong. And I am going to be so freaking right about Gabriel Davis that I might buy his jersey for my nephews. I mean, I loved that kid. And I kept saying, "Who?" I didn't have a roster. You know how, like, they didn't pass out rosters this year at camps because right. of the no contact stuff yeah. and everything? And of course, mm-hmm. I didn't print myself a roster. So I know a lot of the bills, but not all of them. I kept saying to myself, 13, 13, 13. And they kept saying, Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis, Kim. Cause I kept saying, who's 13? And then um, we learned he prefers Gabriel. So it's Gabriel Davis. But he is absolutely amazing. And when I was watching, uh, and I don't know how he lasted till he did. What was he, a fourth round pick? Oh, I don't know yeah. how he lasted. Um, out of Central Florida, but I was watching the game back um, this past game. And on the sideline, the Vegas game, and on the sideline, I was struck that the receivers were all sitting there, and it was Diggs right beside Davis. Both were laughing. They had other players around them, other receivers, I think. Uh, I don't know if Josh was there or not, but it just looked like the group fit so well. And I think that that's part of the reason Gabriel Davis can – you know, hopefully reach his potential. And I think he is reaching his potential in the times I've seen him because he's in that environment. It's all so important. And I've preached some of this stuff, not that, not that I should be a football person. That's not my point, but I have preached a lot of this interpersonal stuff for so long. And some people just shake their heads or they say, I've had people tell me confidence doesn't matter. Confidence means everything to these people. I don't care if they have a bat in their hand or if they're catching a football. Confidence is everything to them. So, And I will never back down from that because too many players have told me it and showed me it. So um, there are just some things I subscribe to. And when you talk about culture and it's overused, but when you can see a rookie fourth-round pick sit there and hold his own with a great, great, great playmaker in Stephon Diggs, that means something to me. That means something to me, and the Bills are absolutely onto something, and I love it.
1: You know, you read my mind, Kim, because that was—I just told Matt I'm going to bring up Gabriel Davis next because you—you <laughs> you mentioned him in the zooms I I've did, seen. I did. And, and I'm just like, all right, I'm—I'm going to bring that up next. <laughs> so you—you you went to that. You want to know why I think? I don't know if it's why the Bills loved him so much, but right after he was drafted, this is when I knew he was going to be a good fit for the team. The first thing he did after the Bills drafted him was find a field and go run routes and the Bills were able to get footage of it, and they shared it on social media. They have a process, a word that we've heard a million times since Mm -hmm. Sean McDermott and Brendan Bean came to town, but he fits the process. And like you said, it's so important that he has Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley because he can play all three wide receiver spots. He can can pick their brains and Mm -hmm. their minds. But we even see these practice clips where he seems to be getting Mm -hmm. those guys loose. They're dancing. They're goofing around. So like you said, they're on to something here. And the the fact that he doesn't have to play a huge role this year, but right. he has stepped up, that's so big for not only the Bills, but yeah. for Davis and what we're going to see from him as this year goes on, yeah. but also in 2021 where they have to yeah. make some tougher decisions about wide receivers uh, when the cap starts to get a little bit tighter.
0: Well, how about that catch he made in Miami? What was <laughs> that for the 24? Didn't it put the Bills up 24-20 or something? It was definitely like a go-ahead score, I think. In the, in the fourth quarter, unless I'm in, inventing that, but I think I have that right. I mean, it was a, like a sliding. You, you guys remember that, or am I wrong yeah. about that?
1: No, no, you're, it was you're like right. A
0: sliding against, you know, and then he. Oh, and by the way, I need to get back. Well, let me finish on Davis because I'm excited about him. Dave Brian Dayball, When I don't know if I asked him or if someone else did, but um, so many zooms. But he said <laughs> about Davis, he's book smart and he's football smart, and I. Love that because they can the the, the folks we cover on a daily basis, you know, no matter what sport we're talking about. I covered baseball for seven years. I covered other sports before that. And I've covered football a lot. They're allowed to be both folks. Like there are very smart people playing these games and they also have great instincts for the sport of football. And I love that answer from Dayball. I just absolutely loved it.
1: Well, and then I don't know if you saw this or not, but even in training camp, yeah, John when Brown, John Brown yes. yeah, and he said, "This guy's teaching us these things. He's he has all the nuances down. So it's important to be able, you know, to be football smart, to be able to, to know yeah. everything about that playbook. So yeah, like you said, in that touchdown." I'm live tweeting these things and I had to kind of pause because I'm like, did he actually haul that in I know, laid out? And then he, yeah, just right. a great development so far from this rookie.
0: And the great part about that John Brown call, cause I was on that one too, was, um, someone went back to him then about like helping the rookies and John Brown was like, you didn't hear what I said. They're helping us. Like, and that's probably a slight, you know, pat on the back type of exaggeration from John Brown, who's being a really good teammate there. But maybe it's not far from the truth because these rookies seem to have picked up everything very quickly. And it's Davis,
2: of course, that we see on the field. So that's great. Listen, you can come on this show and and wave your flag anytime that you want and and kind of do a little dance. I've been doing that for the past few months on Josh Allen. And it has, you know, it's funny, like, you know, being on the beat, I grew up a bills fan. So okay. coming back to the beat two years ago, it's kind of this weird transition where you go from fandom to, you know, pretty serious business. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I- until you can get, until you spent time in a locker room, you really don't understand the dynamic that you kind of have right. to have. Right. And I have no vested interest in Josh Allen as a quarterback. I stopped being a fan the day that the Bills drafted him because I started this job. And, but what I've seen in these two years, and I've tried to tell you know, analytics people and, you know, anybody that really had that narrative on Josh's, listen, they're building this thing brick by brick. Yeah. It may not work, right. but I am seeing a lot more positive signs than anything else. And and I want to talk to you about it because you've been here so much the last two years, you've yeah. chronicled this as well. I mean, this isn't a surprise to you what Josh no. is doing, right?
0: No. And the shame of it is, and I'm not damning all analytics or numbers people when I say this, but sometimes they're so hell bent on those numbers being right that they forget that the game has a heartbeat. And that Mm. is something I emphasize, I do the opposite. I emphasize the heartbeat and uh, look at the numbers if I can use them or if they make sense for me. But I've gotten away, first of all, people hearing stats on TV, there's nothing more mind-numbing. No one listens, no one cares. (laughs) You wanna tell me someone's undefeated at 7-0? People can consume that you want to start giving me passer ratings that no one knows how they're figured anyway, or, you know, some complex, you know, tie to, to Bill's wins and losses with Josh Allen. It just doesn't work. But what I will say, I just, des- I decided this today and I used it on the air today and I'm going to use it all the time now. Josh Allen is the most publicly self-aware quarterback I've ever covered. And what I mean by that is Josh Allen today mentioned, you know, that he's mostly gotten away from the hero ball. He talked to me last year about the hero ball. And at the time, he at least led me to believe I was the first reporter he was talking to about that. That, for these purposes, doesn't really matter that much. But I felt like I understood what he meant. Listen, this is a guy who didn't have a scholarship, went to Juco. This is a guy from Wyoming. This is a guy who went to the combine and everyone knew he had a cannon for an arm, but didn't know if he could throw it in the ocean. So Josh Allen's had to prove himself every single step of the way. So when he says he doesn't need to play hero ball, I understand that... You know, I don't know what Juco was like. And his high school wasn't overly competitive from what I understand. And at Wyoming, he probably did have to do everything. I mean, he's at Wyoming. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's not at Nebraska. He's not at Alabama. He's not at Penn State. So, you know, I think Josh Allen has found a way to be incredibly honest with us without sacrificing any of who he is. And I find that fascinating because he then said, after he said he's mostly given up the hero ball that once in a while, the gunslinger comes out. And I suspect deeply that if you ask the Pagulas, if you ask Brandon Bean, and even if you ask Sean McDermott, and I think definitely if you ask Brian Dayball, they don't mind the gunslinger once in a while. I think once in a while, you got to remind people because you're also going to hit those as your accuracy improves. But you just can't be only the gunslinger. And Josh certainly has come to understand that. He certainly doesn't have to do it all on his own. And for him to say this stuff publicly, I can't emphasize enough. Quarterbacks don't do this. Quarterbacks say we have to play better. Quarterbacks have to say we didn't get the job done. Josh doesn't doesn't subscribe to any of that. He puts it on himself. I find that to be an incredibly great leadership quality from Josh Allen and I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. First four weeks of the season he's playing at an MVP level and I think after every game so far he said, "I need to get those yes. I need to erase those mistakes, those few things." And yeah, he took a bad sack this past week he where did. the Bills could have yes. gone up 17, but yes. that but like you said, that's that gunslinger mentality where I can make a play mm-hmm. and he has in his career so you have to take the bad with the good. But speaking of analytics, I've actually seen two pro football focus employees fill out the Josh Allen uh, apology form and post it on Twitter where they've said, hey, listen, we bashed him coming out. Really? Okay, we're wrong. At least so far, we've seen enough right. from him that this guy can legitimately play. So you're, you're right. He's very self-aware, He's, but he's so humble. And he just has that yes. right mentality to make it in the NFL, which we've obviously seen in 2020. It, it's worked out and paid uh, major dividends.
0: Yes, And even from when we saw him week one against the Jets, when I thought to myself, is he gonna really run this much? Oh my gosh, Josh, like, what are we doing here, buddy? But like, (laughs) that's even been cleaned up a little bit. Like, you don't wanna take that away from him because it's a great part of who he is and he's enormous and he can probably run over a linebacker if he feels like it. I'm not sure they want him to, but he could. But week one, I was like, I am really surprised Josh Allen's running as much. And if you even just fast forward those few weeks from there, um his game probably with some help from his offensive coordinator who's terrific has already been refined to maybe not have quite as much as that let Devin run the ball let motor Singletary run the ball he's like a bowling ball he can
2: do it um before we transition to my last thing I want to talk about I since you are covering Washington again I think it's such an interesting kind of comparison to the first few games of Dwayne Haskins career yeah to, compared to Josh Allen's career. The numbers are actually pretty similar, Yes, and and Josh's turnovers were a little bit higher. So do you feel like Dwayne's getting a fair shake there? And, you know, what do you expect for him now going into a situation where he's been benched and now he's not even going to be active, it looks like?
0: Yeah, two things. The the not active on game day, first of all, wow, Alex Smith. We were in the hospital at Anova mm-hmm. at the same time, and I just remember... Alex Smith was still in the, like, I went in the hospital a few days before him, and then he had that leg injury. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, hospital, like, and like, Alex Smith wasn't out of the hospital. Like, I, with an aortic dissection, was out of the hospital before Alex Smith. And I remember thinking, like, that, that should not be, like, something is very wrong here. With a broken leg, you should be out of the hospital. So... Mm-hmm. I root for Alex Smith. That's my long winded way of saying I root for him and I feel like an odd connection to him that I really don't have, except that we were in the hospital together. But um, (laughs) I think Alex Smith is terrific. Here's what I think is happening. I think the idea that Dwayne is going to be inactive indicates to me they actually want Alex Smith to play quarterback. Mm -hmm. That is not going to surprise me down the road. Now we'll see what Kyle Allen does, but this Alex Smith thing isn't just to be like a mentor and give good advice, which he does. So that tells me something there. It also tells me they may think that Haskins really needs a timeout, like mm-hmm. not just a break from starting the game and maybe going in. If the if Kyle Allen gets hurt, they, they really think Haskins needs a breath, meaning mm-hmm. a big breath. And maybe, maybe some other things go into that, whether it's playbook, whether it's, um, you know, commun- the ways communicating with people. I truly don't know. I don't know what it is. But clearly they think they need to put Dwayne Haskins in timeout. And that's what they're doing. So the other thing would be this, though, from a purely competitive standpoint, I haven't looked at the Washington schedule. I obviously will. Um, they beat the Eagles. And I don't think they've played any other division games yet. And that division is not very good, by the way. So if you're Ron Rivera... You're Jack mm-hmm. Del Rio. You're Dan Snyder. You're thinking about that division because why wouldn't you? They're going to get Chase Young back. I have to believe this week he looked great warming up uh, the other day. Um, I would think he's coming back. I don't know that, but you got you got something to play for here. This division's horrendous. So if you're going to do it, do it now and don't wait a few weeks to where maybe you have lost a couple more, including in the division, and then you know you sugar you shrug your shoulders and say, boy, you know what are we getting from 2020? They still have a chance to get something out of this season. I have to believe that's part of this as well. I guess it has to be. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I was going to ask you about this defense, but I think I'm going to pose a different question before I let you go. The defense hasn't seemed like the defense that I think Bill's fans are used to early on this season. I mean, you know, obviously it's such a luxury to have Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier running that side of the ball here. Um, but it's an interesting dynamic now that the offense is so good. We're starting to hear all this buzz about Brian Dable and him potentially being a head coaching candidate. I feel like Leslie should have been a head coach two yeah. years ago, maybe. Yeah. I mean, what do you think the long-term you know, um, health of the organization is under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean if they lose potentially two coordinators, if they maybe lose some of the guys in the front office, Joe Shane, Dan Morgan, to kind of keep this thing going. I know that's way down the road. But in terms of what they built here and the sustainability after you start losing some talent.
0: Well, you hope if that happens, it happens after uh, a handful of, of wins in January and, and mm-hmm. conceivably into February. Right. I mean, if that happens, that's just the price of doing great business. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I can see I see what you're saying. And I, I do think that the bills have set themselves up. Um, to have coordinators who are going to be really popular. I agree with you on Leslie Frazier. I asked him, um, I think after the Miami game, I asked him about the idea that the offense had closed out two games, you know, and he kind of said, like, his players were like, that's our job. That's what we want to do. And you want defensive players, of course, to take that kind of pride in, in what they do. But um, I do think the defense – I, I thought in the fourth quarter, watching back that game, I listened to that game on my way back from um, the Washington game. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of it. The Giants were on also, so I was bopping between the two on my radio just to stay sane and to stay awake. But okay. I ended up watching the the Las Vegas game. And when Sean said he thought their personality on defense came out a little bit in that fourth quarter, watching it back, I knew what he meant, right? Because you saw – you know. My goodness, Josh Norman's making a play. Jefferson's making a play. Uh, was it Milano who made another play? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other guys, yeah, Milano, I think. Um, so I think they're going to come around. I think that um, it is a different It's a different flip of the coin, though, for these guys. I, I am interested in that as well because it's very different to watch a game now and see the offense kind of, you know, run the show.
1: It is something to do with that, the fact that there's no – fans in the stands maybe not just from a a momentum perspective but also the fact that the offense can get up to the line see what the defense is doing and call those audibles I I, I don't remember how many numbers there were but someone said oh what's wrong with the bills and they said look there were at least I want to say at least 10 teams last week that scored 28 points or more oh yeah I mean it's a high scoring league so you you've already kind of said yeah so um the fact that the offenses though can adjust on the fly where defenses are kind of set in their ways, that's yeah. probably playing a factor early on.
0: I think that is. I think the idea that they're not calling holding is probably mm. hurting defenses too yeah, in in week true. one week one Monday night, I had the the Steelers who I never get to see the Steelers at the Giants. TJ Watt was held in the open field. Like I would have to kind of hold TJ Watt to prevent him from stealing my car. Hypothetically, he'd never steal my car, but you know what I'm saying? Like I would have to like, hold on for dear life to keep him from getting to my car that he was going to take from me. Again, it would never happen. And they didn't throw a flag. And that's when I was like, if I'm an offensive lineman this year, I am holding till they call it. So I think that might have a little bit of an uh, impact as well. And that's, TJ uh, Watt would not steal a car. I want to be clear on that. <laughs> I'm not saying TJ Watt would steal a car. That was just a complete like, metaphor and probably a bad one.
2: Well, we know you're, you're so busy uh, running around covering all these games, <laughs> all these teams, but Bills fans are so excited that you were able to spend some time with us tonight. Well, Kim good. Jones, thank you so much. We hope to have you're you welcome. again on, on this season.
0: Anytime. Just let me know, guys.
2: Awesome. Take care. Have a great night.
0: Okay. Take care now. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Well, that was great.
0: Is that what you wanted? Is that all
2: right? Yes, that was great. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a great night.
0: Thank you, guys. Take care. I'll see you next week, probably.
2: Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. okay.
2: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. So we're going to go a few more minutes here because um, I want to talk a little bit more about what's going on, what what we witnessed today in... In Orchard Park, you know, in, obviously, you know, I practice and then, you know, the, the Zoom calls talking about the Tennessee Titans situation, you know, the Bills continue. I mean, you know, I think injuries were going to be, let's talk a little bit of football before we talk about the Tennessee situation, Ryan. I think injuries were always going to be a thing early on this season. You know, as we move, I thought going into this Raiders game last week, the Bills were super healthy and uh, I was like, you know after the laundry list of, you know, injury list that they've had the last couple of weeks, I'm like, all things considered, they were pretty healthy. Well, today the injury report came out and it's only Wednesday. So let's keep that in perspective. Cody Ford out with a groin injury. Tredavious White wasn't even out there with a back injury. The Bills put Levi Wallace on injured reserve today, called Cam Lewis back up from the practice squad, signed him, Uh, you know, John Brown out with the calf still, missed practice. Cole Beasley was limited. You know, there's a lot of guys um, that are injured. And, you know, you know, the one bright spot I would say today, John Feliciano, uh, back on the practice field.
1: Yeah. You know, Feliciano said recently that he was hoping to get back out this week or le- next week at the latest. And then he probably needed a few weeks to adjust, but you know, if he can get out there and take to the field, like we know he can, when he's a hundred percent, maybe he does uh, end up on that regular day roster gets activated with the next uh, week or two which would be a huge boost for this offensive line because I do think that they're finally starting to figure some things out. Obviously, with Ford uh, having this groin injury, that could throw a wrench in it. But I I think they're starting to like what they see from Ford uh, at left guard. I think you can throw Feliciano right back at right guard where he was. And all of a sudden, that offensive line has a lot of upside to it. So, you know, getting him back would be great. But like you said, there's also a lot of things to be concerned about. Uh, these soft tissue injuries. I think we all knew we're going to, we're going to see a lot league wide because of the fact that there was not a traditional offseason. But we're we're seeing a, a variation of injuries now, just because of of the normal wear and tear that you get in an NFL season. Uh, so you know you know not looking ahead, not saying that this game with the Titans is not going to get played, but if it, if it gets canceled, if it gets postponed, or like you said, it, it doesn't look like a forfeit maybe on the table. Uh, But if something happens there, maybe some extra rest going into that Thursday night game may not be the worst thing for this Bills roster.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. You look at the injury report on Wednesday here. Usually you start projecting for Sunday. Obviously, Matt Milano being week to week, that kind of raises some concerns. But, Ryan, we could be sitting here on Wednesday. We could be coming back on Sunday and not have a game. I mean, it's trending in that direction. I mean, if you uh, haven't heard yet, you know, two more positive tests today. There's there's an expectation that there's going to be some some real uh, consequences for the Titans for how they've handled this. They reportedly got together last week and started uh, doing some football activities. Ryan Tannehill reportedly was was present at an offsite location after specific directives from the NFL to not gather together as a team. Mm-hmm. And you know these are the kinds of things. I mean, Josh Allen was talking today about you know these guys talk every day about being responsible and you know uh, you know being somebody that, you know, you can look all your teammates in the eye and you're doing the right things. And he said, you know, it could just take one time, a guy going to the grocery store or gas station or whatever, and it, it changing things for your team because of a positive test. And, you know, now we're sitting out here and, you know, what's going to happen on Sunday. And, you know, I think one of the big things for me is how the league handled it handles this, you know, will, will give us a, a good glimpse at what, how this thing's going to play out. And I'm sitting back here and I don't think anybody wants a forfeit. You know what I mean? Whether it's Bills players who I got the the vibe from that they you know they they still they're preparing for a game. They want to play, you know, more than I think even fans want there to be a game. These players want to play the games, and that's what they're here to do. That's why they came and, you know, reported and opted into the, the season. Um, but I think a forfeit, nobody involved in this thing wants that.
1: No, because then, you know, you get those asterisks where people are saying, well, yeah, the Bills had this many wins, but they were handed one. And how is that fair to the Steelers uh, who had who were given a bye week instead uh, early in the season, mind you, too? So now they have to play, what, 13 straight games. So uh, forfeit should probably should be the last option on the table. I saw someone suggest maybe cancel just this game. And then both teams play 15 games this year, and then you go by uh, winning percentage at the end of the year, which, you know, maybe that's something they consider. I'm not sure. Um, But, yeah, the Bills want to play this game. And if they do play this game, it's really interesting, especially if they played on Sunday, which I think they'd have no other choice with the Bills playing uh, on Thursday night. That would mean that the, the Titans did not get back to the facility until Saturday. They would have certain players that I'm guessing would not be able to go. Uh, quite a few of them possibly. And and that was the whole original purpose of that 16-man practice squad. So there would be a lot of – it wouldn't look like the AFC Championship Tennessee Titans roster by any means, but I I still think the Bills would rather go out there and and try to pick up that fifth one without having it handed to them.
2: 100%. And somebody yelled at me in the comments, and I said that on purpose just now. They're like, you say 100% too much. We all have our little things that we say. Uh, you, we, wel- we welcome you into our, you know, our living rooms and our and our offices, or where you know wherever we are. We we need you to accept us for who we are. Now I'm just kidding around. Uh, this was an amazing show. Kim Jones knocked it absolutely out of the park as I knew she would. Uh, very gracious for her coming on the show. Shout out to our sponsor, Top Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. We're so appreciative of uh, of everything that they're doing to support the podcast. Make sure you find us on all your audio platforms, Spotify, Google. Stitcher, Apple, we're on everything. Subscribe, rate, and review. And we're going to be back on Friday with our preview show uh, for the Titans game, we hope. And if not, you'll see us on Sunday. And we'll do a little bit of a deep dive. We might have another additional guest maybe on Sunday. When we switch things up if we don't have a game. But if there is a game, we will be back here Sunday after the game, like every week for our live podcast. Ryan, final thoughts.
1: You know, I guess just keep your eyes peeled on social media in these next 24 to 48 hours because we we need to know sooner rather than later. I I truly think we'll know tomorrow if there's going to be a game or not because, like I said, they have to open that facility uh, by Saturday, I would think, for there to be a game, and that means tomorrow and and Friday there would have to be no positive tests. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. I think we're going to know something soon. Uh, and just hope that if this game does get played, that you know the Bills kind of stay away from that. They were sandwiched between two teams now that are dealing with uh, COVID, uh, positive COVID tests. So, you know, it's a little bit scary. It's going to be interesting to see how the league handles it going forward.
2: All right. Well, have a great Wednesday night. Enjoy the rest of your week. And for all your Bills content, as always, keep it locked on to Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com. All right, guys. Take care
0: ready for football with every game a home game tops is ready for you with its tv a day giveaway for six weeks every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70 inch 4k tv shop tops for the best deals in town in store or online to win